0: Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of BAMS Radio here on this Wednesday night. I am your co-host, Drew Diarman, and this is, of course, another game of the century. Maybe is it part two? Is it part three? I don't know really what you should call it, but it's certainly another epic game. One versus two, the University of Alabama hosting LSU, number one LSU, coming in 8-0, number two Alabama coming in 8-0. A battle of titans, a lot of storylines to talk about. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm here with uh, my usual cohorts, the Wizard Thomas Watts, the Wizard behind the curtain who produces this radio program, live from the port city of Mobile, and of course our other uh, our third amigo William Redfish Barger, who played for the Crimson Tide uh, from '89 to '93, was a big part of the program, and of course has a national championship ring for the Centennial year of 1992. Always great to talk with these two gentlemen about Alabama Crimson Tide football. William, uh, how are you doing tonight? Big game this weekend, uh, Alabama. I think everybody's been kind of waiting on this one. They, uh, they've been it, it, since the, probably the the middle of, uh, of September when LSU finally you could see they revolutionized in their eyes their offense. People can kind of see this coming. They they got over a couple of hurdles uh, with. Uh, you know, uh, the Florida Gators and the Auburn Tigers not really going to call Texas a hurdle anymore, considering they fell flat on their face. Uh, but uh, this is a, another big game between two teams that have become, you know, even more so. They were There was a rivalry here, but it's become even more heated due to the, of course, uh, Nick Saban making such an impact
1: at both places. Yeah, it has, and I and I think it's certainly one that, you know, he's he's emphasized since he became the head coach at Alabama, um, you, you know, but both on the field and on the recruiting trail as well. They've, they've had a lot of success at going down to the state of Louisiana and getting elite football players out of that state, which certainly didn't happen when he was the head coach down there, not after his first couple of years. And, you know, it's played a big part in the success of Alabama's program, and um, you know, this is, uh, you know, I think a big matchup, the, the media hype. I mean, every, you know, from the gym to, you know, the grocery store, everywhere I've been, um, you know, since the middle part of the last week, you walk in and there's, you know, talking heads with the, with the backdrop in the background talking about the Alabama LSU game or Ed Ogeron, you know, mic'd up or Nick Saban mic'd up. And, um, you know, they're, they're on the downward you know, cycle now of game prep. You know, they got an off week, got the kids got some time off, and, uh, you know, got to rest a little bit. I mean, I think that's one of the... You know, there's a lot of really great things that Nick Saban does, but I think the way he handles off weeks before big, big marquee games like this has, has been one of the keys to his success. You know, he, he emphasizes the importance of the game, especially a rivalry game like this. Um, but, you know, he allows the kids some time off to go home if they live close enough by. Um, you know, they work on other things. You know, the, the off week is not really near as LSU-focused as a lot of people think it might be. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the great, you know, psychological things that he does is, you know, doesn't get the kids too amped up and overly emphasize it and, you know, get them to the point where they're wound so tight you know, they can't perform at a high level, but, you know, that's just one of the many great things that, that he's done um, specifically in his coaching career at Alabama. But, um, you know, certainly there's uh, going to be a lot of buildup. Uh, you know, college game day is going to be there. God only knows what the uh, tailgating attendance is going to be outside the stadium. I'm sure it's going to set a record if I had to guess, because I know all the LSU fans are going to be coming hot and heavy in from the Pelican State, but, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, it falls on a weekend where there's not a lot of other interesting games, so this this thing's going to get everybody's attention, Drew. It really is. It's going to, you know, some people will watch uh, the. Uh,
0: it'll be an appetizer before the two thirty game. The eleven a.m. unbeaten Minnesota Golden Gophers and Penn State, but uh, you know that uh, it'll pale in comparison to the uh, electricity for this game. Uh, And it's not a night game for once. It's going to be in the afternoon. I think that'll probably be beneficial uh, in this case because you don't have to wait around all day to play the game. And certainly uh, it'll be a little bit chilly, the weather, but it still should be good. The weather forecast doesn't look like they're going to have to play through any rain or anything like that. So it'll it'll, it'll be two heavyweights going at it, no doubt. And I wanted to ask you your opinion of Coach Ogeron. I mean, what do, you, what do you? What is your opinion of what he's done now? Uh, go, this is his third season at LSU. I have to admit, he surprised me a little bit. Now, I still don't think he's a great football coach. I don't think he's in the same stratosphere as Nick Saban, but he surprised me a little bit. I thought, you know, when he took over as the interim guy uh, and got the job after Les Miles was dismissed, uh, I, you know, he. he, he I thought they were okay, you know, last year. I know he's made some changes that everybody's been wanting to see at LSU. Now they're 8-0, uh, and that's kind of quelled a little bit. But, uh, you know, I have to admit, I guess uh, I still can't get the, the Ed Ogeron from Ole Miss out of my head and the job he did there. I do think he's learned some valuable lessons, but what's your overall thoughts on him and what he's done in Baton Rouge?
1: You know, I think he's done a nice job, Drew. I, I – uh... You know, I think he's shown the, the willingness and the ability to make coaching staff changes when it needs to be done. I mean, I think he showed the willingness. Yeah, you know, I think that was one of, you know, the main reasons why that, that you know, Les Miles was dismissed. I think the program had gone stale. You know, obviously, um, they were never going to overtake Alabama on the trajectory that that program was on, you know, post, you know, 2011. Um, you know, when they played for the national championship, and, and you know, I think that was one of the things that, that Coach O showed the willingness immediately to do is, um, you know, modernize, bring somebody in to modernize the offense. Um, you know, the, the, you know, I think the, the old pro style, you know, went on defense, but, you know, they, they never really had the quarterback, um, or even, you know, outside of maybe Mettenberg or a competent, you know, Jake Coker game manager um at quarterback to utilize all the weapons, you know, that they had for so many seasons. He always had the good running game, always had some some game changers at wide receiver, but they just didn't have a consistent, accurate quarterback. And you know, certainly I don't think you could say that Joe Burrow um you know, fit that label last year. Certainly he was a game manager, but you know, you, you've kind of seen him morph into, um, you know, an actual legit threat um, that can distribute the ball accurately, can make all the throws, can make the deep ball. And, you know, like he's got a nice set of wide receivers to work with. I think the, um, you know, the biggest thing, and I guess it's finally, you know, losing out on so many front seven recruiting battles on the defensive side of the football looks like it's finally starting to catch up with them. That defense has taken a – you know, pretty sharp step backwards, in my opinion, even with a great coordinator like Dave Aranda, um, you know, calling the signals. You know, they, they gave up 30-plus points to Vanderbilt. Um, you know, they've, they've given up points, a lot of points to Florida. You know, Auburn had a chance to win the game in the last couple of minutes there a couple of weeks ago, um, although I do think the Auburn defense really kind of provided the recipe for slowing that that passing attack down. And, um, you know, we talked about that, Drew, um, before the, uh, you know, the Auburn-LSU game. I felt like, and I still do, um, you know, I felt like it was the Alabama and Auburn had the same cast defensively, but they were going to have to go about it in a different way. You know, now with a – I felt like at the time that Auburn was going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback, which they did, but, you know, could their DBs hold up um, to those LSU wide receivers? They did better than I thought they would. But, um, you know, I, I think now with a healthy Terrell Lewis uh, for Alabama, I think they have a chance to, you know, generate some edge pressure. Uh, you know, maybe this is the, the game that, that Christian Barmore finally unleashes consistent pressure from, from the middle of the defense. But yeah, I do think Alabama, with with Trevon Diggs and Patrick Sertan, um, can can match match which both physically and, and from an X and O standpoint with these LSU wide receivers. Those are two really really good cornerbacks. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know,
0: and I, I've read a lot of stuff, and of course there, Coach Ogeron, I do think he's done a solid to good job. But I I do sometimes still see the meathead in him. Uh, when, uh, I don't think at times he just, I, he's not Nick Saban. He's not a polished guy, but he'll say things that, you know, you're not, I don't think it's intentional bulletin board material, but he made a statement the other day at his press conference saying that, uh, they asked him about the importance of the Alabama games well. We're going to play in more important games down the road. Well, I don't see how, and unless you win this one, you're not going to, you may not reach those other games. So it's almost like he's trying to talk himself into, that he ha- into the fact that he has the better team that- and that they're going to win the game. And, uh, you know, so I, that, that kind of perplexed me. And, you know, and and and, and, I, and I know he's talked about Joe Brady giving them confidence uh, and, and the fact that they can throw the football. But I think they're kind of overlooking – they've been so enamored in being able to be explosive and throw the ball. William, you brought up some interesting points that I think defensively they've taken a dip, which – you know, Coach Ogeron is kind of spinning it that, that Dave Aranda's has held a lot of things back. And, you know, I'm one of, those, one of those guys that thinks, well, you know, you might show Alabama some different things, but you can't reinvent the wheel. You still have to play solid, good, solid football. I don't think this defense – I think Alabama has the better defense. I think Alabama has the better offense. I actually think Alabama's the better football team in all three phases – I know that LSU's probably played better competition than Alabama, but I'm just going by the eye test. And so I I do think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has had a heck of a year and really kind of really surprised a lot of people. But uh, as you said, you already brought up the fact they gave up 30 to Vanderbilt. They didn't tackle very well. Texas has proven to be a paper tiger at best, and they were given a lot of credit for that win. And, you know, Florida is a good team, not a great team. That's been proven. And then Auburn is definitely uh, pedestrian offensively. So, to me, they played a good schedule, not great. And we're going to find out about Alabama because Alabama's schedule—I'll give it—I'll say it—it it has been weak. But I do think Alabama's been super impressive uh, for the most part each week too. They've taken care of business. But uh, you know, I, to me, I think they uh, that uh, they, uh, that LSU—they've become so enamored with the. Being, uh, uh, you know, a a modern offense and being one of the best offenses in the country, that maybe they've taken some steps back. That they're not really they're going to get. In other words, I think they're going to get exposed in Tuscaloosa defensively on Saturday afternoon.
1: Uh, I, I I certainly think that's a you know they they've got some some guys banged up um, on the defensive side of the football. They just lost one of their starting linebackers this past week. Michael um, you know, they're yep. not, Yeah, they're not near what they used to be. You know, five to seven years ago, um, in the defensive front seven, still got some really good players on the back end, but you know, you, you don't see the the first round draft picks at defensive end like you used to see. Um, you know, when Les Miles was there on a consistent basis, or the you know the high NFL draft picks at defensive tackle. I mean, they're they're. Uh, you know, good, but there's no, no elite guys there. And, uh, you know, I think this Alabama offense, you know, when it's at full speed and everybody's healthy can, you know, make a lot of good defenses look bad. And, uh, you know, that, that, you know, wide receiver core is impossible. Um, you know, especially with, with a healthy Tua uh, to distribute the ball to them. And, you know, with an offensive line that I think's gotten better and better each week, you know, the running game starting to click a little bit. So, you know, this is going to be an interesting chess match um, between Steve Sarkeesian and Dave Miranda You know, one of the things that I do like about Dave Veranda as a defensive coordinators. He does have one of the better blitz packages um, at the college level from a defensive coordinator. And he likes to bring guys, um, you know, from – unique places on the field he's not scared to bring a safety from deep he's not scared to bring a corner and you know especially a year like this when he can't you know generate a pass rush with his front seven on a consistent basis so um it's going to be interesting to see you know how Steve Sarkeesian I don't I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of different things from Steve Sarkeesian I think he's gonna you know go out there and, and attack this defense the way that he has all year long I think the um, the burden, you know, is, is squarely on, on Dave Aranda's shoulders. You know, do, do you take that chance of bringing the pressure? Um, you know, because if you do, they're going to run those slants behind the pressure. You know, if they don't get there, that, that's a possible home run ball every time they, um, you know, they complete those slants, especially if the other safety misses the tackle, which I'm glad I'm not that guy. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so, you, you know, it, it, and I think it's uh, – you've seen, you know, I want to say this with bated breath, but, you know, you've seen kind of both of us kind of get it into gear when the place-kicking game, uh, you know, P. Ryan at, at the punting game, you know, the return game, and and the coverage teams have been great all year long. So you're starting to see Alabama, I think, you know, kind of gel and come together as a team, you know, really at the perfect time. They've had a week off, um, which, which I think is huge, uh, especially before a game like this. And, uh, you know, I'm tickled to death that it's a 2.30 game. Um, you know, night games are really, really tough on the players. I mean, you know, you, they, they feed you too much food. You spend too much time laying around in the hotel beds playing video games. And, you know, there's just too much downtime, um, you know, for night games. I think it's much, much easier to get the players up. You know, this is the perfect game day itinerary for a player. You don't have a super early wake-up call. You know, you eat breakfast, <clears throat> you know, you go on over to the stadium, you know, right at lunchtime, and, uh, you know, it's a normal flow, you know, much like you see them have, Drew, you know, in August when they have those one thirty two o'clock scrimmages. This is just, you know, I think when an athlete, um, you know, is at their peak performance, it's just how their bodies are, you know, that's what time they go out and practice every day. So, you know, that's when they're, what their bodies are accustomed to and they're creatures of habit, so. I'm excited about it. You know, there, there's going to be a, a lot of fireworks. It's, you know, I'm sure LSU's going to come out and talk smack and try and do the, you know, the intimidation factor. We'll, you know, we'll see how long that lasts. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot of great things out of Coach o, I guess circling back around to your earlier question. you know, I guess he's exceeded my expectations, you know, even if they lose to Alabama Saturday, which I expect them to, you know, you win out, win your bowl game. I mean, trust me, the LSU faithful will take all the one loss seasons. You'll you'll serve them up. Hell, I'll take one. Uh, I'll take as many, I'll take as many one loss seasons as Nick Saban wants to serve me up on a dessert tray. So um, there's nothing to be ashamed about. I know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, that's not the standard. And if you lose to LSU Saturday, you're probably not going to make the college football playoffs. But, you know, it's, that's, what you're seeing happen isn't normal. And, uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure if it should be the expectation. But, unfortunately, that's what it's become.
0: Well, and Nick Saban has uh, played at coy in the media, if that's to be expected. I wasn't sure he would let folks get a look at two of them, but he did. Uh, and he seems to be moving around well. I'm still hearing that uh, he's ahead of schedule and definitely is going to be behind center. I expect him to be around 90%. Uh, and I think uh, if he if he is, that gives Alabama a definite advantage at, at the QB position, even over Burrow. What are you hearing about Tua tungo
1: Same thing. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, as long as he doesn't re-aggravate it, I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll be able to do all the – you know, the normal things, and, and, you know, it's it's a, like I was talking about the timing of the team coming together, I, I think the, you know, them finally getting the best five offensive linemen out there on a, um, you know, for, a, I guess, a three or a four game stretch now that they've had that out there, and, you know, Najee Harris and Brian Robinson becoming more comfortable and becoming more prolific rushers certainly takes, you know, some of the stress and pressure off of Tua having to press, and, um, you know, he doesn't need a Heisman Trophy performance Saturday afternoon to win this football game. He needs, you know, to go out there and, you know, throw for somewhere between 275 and 300 yards and three or four touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I think with the way the running game has, has kind of come full circle, um, they're going to be able to chip in a couple scores as well. And, and uh yeah, I, I said this last week, and I still feel like, Drew, that, you know, Alabama is somewhere between 10 to 14 points better um, than this LSU football team. And I, and I think that's the way you're going to see it play out Saturday.
0: Well, I know they've, they've uh, played it up. that Tyler Shelvin's in much better shape with a no spot this year. and Rashard Lawrence should be healthier for this game. Uh, looks like Grant Delphine is not practiced all week. He'll probably be much like two. He'll play, but probably not be 100% from his safety spot. What, and as you already mentioned, Michael Divinity being gone, he's been their leading sacker the last two years. He had more sacks still this year and and missed three games than Caleb Vaughn Chase on. So, yeah. Stingley, Stingley's banged up. Yeah, Stingley, and he'll be also returning punts probably still. And but to me, I still think when you look at it and look at their defense against Alabama's offense, you talked about Tua being back with Alabama's receivers, which should be healthier after the bye week, especially uh, Devontae Smith, and he'll be fired up to play against his home state. I think, when you look at it, it's that I, you know, we talked to Bobby Humphrey this week on the show, William, and he talked about how he knows the game will be one up front, offensive and defensive lines, but his favorite thing to watch, he said, was going to be, you know, Alabama's wide receivers versus LSU's DBs and LSU's wide receivers versus Alabama's defensive backs, and He felt like Alabama was going to win the game. But I'll say I give Alabama a big advantage against LSU defensively. Uh, You know, as far as Alabama's offense against LSU's defense, I think they've got the advantage. I think they can make a lot of big plays against those guys. Uh, Certainly, uh, LSU uh, had a little trouble against Auburn. Auburn picked them off a couple times. But, uh, you know, I I think uh, the Auburn Tigers – at times, had guys open, they couldn't hit them, you know, because I think their offense is pedestrian. But I think with Tua back and with Alabama's weapons, that they've got a chance to have a really good day on offense. And I wanted to get your thoughts about Alabama's offensive line. I think LSU has improved, but I still think Alabama's is playing. You made reference to finally getting the lineup right uh, with Dickerson moving over to center and Deontay Brown now entrenched at right guard. I believe that they can run the football on this group, and I wouldn't be surprised. They're going to throw the football, William, but I would not be surprised if there's a little extra emphasis to protect Tua and run the football. You're, I know Miller Forstall was not a big factor as a blocker. He had, I think, three touchdown catches. He, he was a red zone option. But uh you think we might see some of what we saw against uh, Arkansas with the two tight ends and those being Kendall Randolph and Chris Owens and Alabama trying to maybe bloody LSU's nose.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely think um, you know that's going to happen. That's always been a you know a staple of Steve Sarkeesian's offense. You know, where at whatever level he's been is you know he's he's a pro style guy, and uh, you know he, he likes running the football. Um, he, he's always been very balanced, and uh, you know I think he's even been more he's always had even more of a run emphasis in his offense more so than even Lane Kiffin has. And, uh, you know, you go back and look at what they did out there at USC. I mean, you know, there was running backs, you know, winning Heisman trophies and rushing for multiple thousand yard seasons. Um, yeah, I definitely think that's a factor. You know, the, um, that that was one of my biggest gripes early on, if you'll remember, is, is I didn't understand you know, why, you know, I get it, you know, Deontay Brown was suspended, and but, but I didn't understand why after the experiment with Dickerson at center, and it was obvious that that was the best move, especially once Brown came back to put him at right guard. You know, I, I was a little disappointed that they didn't go to this lineup sooner than they did, Um now, I don't think it's going to have any impact on this game. And, you know, certainly it hasn't had much of an impact on Alabama not being able to score a lot of points. But, um, you know, I think that would have been allowed the running game to even be more further along um, than, than, you know, what you saw. And you know, it took a little bit. It took them, you know, a little bit longer as a, you know, a new offensive line with four new starters, um, you know, two guys that have never been the first and, and you know, really second guys, um, you know, at running back. I mean, you know, it, it, was, it was Damian Harris and the Josh Jacobs show last year, really. So I, I, I kind of anticipate the same thing, and I think that's one of the luxuries that Steve Sarkeesian has is, you know, do you, do you, do you go – you know, four wides and one running back and, and unleash the crack in at wide receivers on them? Or do you bring in, you know, Randolph and Owens and, um, you know, turn this into some of the, the old school Nick Saban versus LSU, you know, games that you saw, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, I think he's got the luxury of of uh, doing either or, and I think he's probably going to mix them up and, um I think we'll continue to be very impressed by the, the offensive game plan that Steve Sarkisian comes up with this Saturday.
0: I still think the magic numbers running-wise are 30 carries and
1: 150
0: yards, and that Najee Harris will be the X factor. If, if he can have a big game as a runner and receiver and outperform their guy, Clyde Hedwards Hilaire, it just means, to me, Alabama's controlled the line of scrimmage and contained the running game. Because even with Burrow and those receivers, I still think Alabama has got to stop Hilaire first. You want you don't want them to be balanced. But to me, the two X factors and the backbones are, the, are these running backs. And whoever has the bigger game, I think
1: their team is going to win, William. Oh, yeah, and I think that's the scary thing that's probably keeping Dave Miranda up at night. You know, do you – do you go nickel and dime and try and, you know, get some extra guys in coverage to slow this passing tack down? I mean, if you do, I can promise you it's going to be, you know, that rushing total is going to be north of 150. Um, or do you, you know, you play traditional and play base and, and take a chance on the wide receivers running wild on you. I mean, I'm glad I'm not Dave Aranda this week for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And,
0: uh, and then uh, with, with the, as we said, we could see some of those two tight end sets with Miller, Forrestall, you know, being out, and it wouldn't surprise me if they could try. And William, I, I still think time of possession is going to be big in this game. Everybody, and I, I, and I'm still of the of the opinion it's going to be a high scoring game. But uh, even with the explosive plays that I think both have a chance to make, the team that's able to possess the football and maybe win it by five, six, seven, eight to ten minutes. Is going to win the game, and that's why I still think I wouldn't be surprised if Sark ran the football a little bit more. You, it helps protect your quarterback. I mean, and and, uh, and if they have to respect and start, you know, moving guys into the box for the run, it's certainly going to open up the passing game. Uh, and uh, and I just I really believe if that I mean, it's going to be important for Alabama to win the uh, time of possession, and of course, uh, I'm, I'm anticipating them. They're they're leading the nation in turnover margin. Uh, that, uh, that they're going to have to force Burrow, Auburn forced them into mistakes. Alabama's
1: going to have to do the same. No, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, I think it's re- really going to depend on, um, because, you know, this is a difficult game for me. LSU is my second favorite SEC program, it's been that way for a long time. And, uh, you saw, you know, they're never going to have another Nick Saban, but, you know, you saw Les Miles have success. Um, you know, I think if, if, you know, Coach O can surround himself, continue to surround himself with good coordinators, you know, he's got a chance to um, easily have the second-best program in the West and, and, you know, be knocking on that door every year. And um, I, I just always, you know, since, since Coach Saban came to Alabama, um, despite the third Saturday in October that's been sat, gone south for a long time, you know th- this has been, you know, a really, really bloody rivalry from the standpoint of I think both fan bases, you don't see a lot of vitriol tossed back and forth. I think, you know, the LSU fans want and appreciate the tradition in football that Alabama's had for a long time. And you know, I think most Alabama fans that you talk to appreciate, um, the passion and the love for football, and the hospitality that they're offered and afforded when they go to Baton Rouge. I think this is a, you know, a good good rivalry where there's not a lot of hatred involved, and you know, dysfunctional things happening like trees getting killed and Cam Newton jerseys getting put on football statues. So, um, I just like I just like the LSU Alabama rivalry. I certainly certainly think it's amped up. You know, when Nick Saban came back to Alabama in both programs, you know, Alabama was chasing LSU and trying to knock them off the perch in the West. You know, they were trying to do the same thing with Florida in the East. But I just really like this game. I mean, I think it's a, you know, a traditional interdivision rivalry that's, you know, it's become a big, big rivalry. When you look at, um, you know, LSU doesn't have to come to Alabama for, Players. They've got enough in-state talent in, in the state of Louisiana and what they can do in the, the Houston and East Texas area to, to sustain that program. But Alabama's got to go down there and get players. And uh, So you know, I think the off-the-field battle has, has become just as important as the on-the-field battle. And even though <laughs> Alabama's run off a streak close to what they have with Tennessee – those have been much, much harder fought and, and earned victories than, than what they've been dealing with the third Saturday in October. I mean, um, you know, there, there's been, you know, the last, uh, you know, two times they've gone down to Baton Rouge, you know, Alabama's escaped by the skin of their teeth. So um, I don't expect that to happen Saturday. But um, I, I just really appreciate this rivalry. I think it's, uh, you know, the way it should be.
0: Yeah, it really is, and as you said, William, Alabama did have to escape in 2012, and they had to escape in 2014, and it was a hard-fought 10 to nothing game in 16, so a couple of those games could have easily gone the other way uh, in this series, and LSU has played Alabama very, very tough, and I think that's the the mutual respect you're talking about, And, uh, and Coach O, he knows for them to take the next step, they need to beat Alabama, but I'll say this, just breaking down this matchup further, we talked about uh, how I think Alabama offensively has the advantage against this LSU defense. I, and, and I, you know, they, there's, uh, they, the mantra has been that Alabama, they, a lot of people don't think Alabama will be able to stop Joe Burrow, but they haven't, I don't think, given enough credence to to Alabama offensively, maybe some of it being the uncertainty of Tua Tonga-Vailoa, but I still think they're kind of missing the boat uh, how, how good this offense is because I mean, I, I don't think Alabama is going to need Mac Jones on Saturday, but and I know how bad Arkansas is, William. They're probably going to make a coaching change, but I think that it, it, it probably wasn't enough of a uh, signal to those around the country. But I thought Alabama performance they put up 48 points in just over two quarters where Mac Jones rests most of the second half. I thought it was significant, It showed that this football team, uh, you know, while, while the schedule hasn't been the most difficult, I think this Alabama team is getting better, and I don't know if they've been given enough credit to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly that was a, a scary moment for the rest of college football for, you know, like you said, I know it was very, very poor competition, but for, you know, anybody second-team quarterback at this level, they saw usually such a big drop, um, you know, at the SEC level between, you know, I guess Trash down at Florida's um, proven that, that legend, urban legend a little bit false. But, you know, for Matt Jones to go out there and play the way he did in his first college start and uh, perform at a high level and not be the reason for the Alabama offense to slow down, which it certainly did, and, you know, certainly the defense looked better. Um, against the putrid Arkansas offense, um, hopefully they can continue to get better and um, you know make more strides in the front seven like they need to. Like I said, I really don't have a whole lot of complaints at all about about the way things have gone this year on the back end of that defense. Just just want to see a little bit more consistency, a little bit more uh, quarterback pressure on a consistent basis. Um, you know, out of this front seven. And, and, you know, I don't think LSU has the best offensive line um, that I've seen all season long either. So you might get to see that all finally come together Saturday. Yeah, um,
0: that's a good segue. Out. Before we bring Thompson into the conversation, I wanted you to give your thoughts on this Alabama defense headed uh, into this matchup with LSU offensively. We have both been concerned about Pete Golding. I don't think there's any question about it, and this is going to be a huge game for his future And having these guys ready to play. We know there's five and six freshmen on the field for Alabama, but am I wrong in still thinking that I still think that they have the better defense, even with all this youth, uh, and that I, I've, I've been impressed. That I do think they've gotten better the last uh, two to three weeks, especially with Terrell Lewis getting healthy and more confident. I still think Anthony Jennings is an underrated player that, uh, you know, and, and I do think a big key, and uh, we've been talking about this all week on my show and when I've done some hits on some other radio shows throughout the state and the South, uh, I think this is a big money game for Raekwon Davis. I think Raekwon has been good, William, but he needs to play his best game uh, and be you know, a, a first-team All-America-type talent on Saturday to help Alabama win this thing. And probably get some help from a guy you mentioned already, Christian Barmore, who maybe this will be his breakout game. Uh, I mean, I know Quentin Williams was already tremendous last year before LSU, but I think his performance against the Bayou Bengals, that, what he did, and that five sack performance by Alabama dominating the line of scrimmage, cemented him as a, a guy that
1: was going to go in the hot high in the first round. Oh yeah, and I mean, you know, Raekwon couldn't pick a better time to do it. I mean, with all the NFL scouts that are gonna be in attendance Saturday, I mean you know LSU's got quite a few potential first round draft picks on their team as well. So there's gonna be a representative from all twenty eight teams there, probably multiple ones. And uh, uh well yeah, I think there's more than twenty eight teams in the NFL now. Mm-hmm. Um was it thirty two? Yeah. 32 um, There'll be, there'll be multiple, multiple guys from, from each scouting department there. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we, we need to see, you know, uh, Harris and Lee play consistently. Um, you know, they need, they need Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings to be disruptive, uh, you know, consistently getting in Joe Burrow's face and, and, you know, make it, forcing him to step up into the pocket. And I think that's where, you know, between Barmore and, and Raekwon Davis, it would be nice to have one, if not both of those guys, collapsing the pocket from the inside. Because so I've got a pretty good idea. Burrow's going to have to step up quite a bit um, with, with Jennings and Lewis coming from the outside. But, um, you know, I, I think this could be, a, like you said, I mean, maybe this will be Pete Golding's coming out party. Um, you know, maybe he can get all the pieces put together and, you know, get the communication issues that they've struggled with um, throughout the season. And a lot of that is, you know, a byproduct of having so many true freshmen out there. But, you know, I, I think like Thomas talked about last week, Drew, I, you know, I think this defense has actually played well in spurts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they've, 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 they've kind of struggled with drives getting it. You know, haven't given up a ton of points. But they've really struggled that, you know, have a bunch of three and outs consistently. You know, it'll be a three and out, and then the next time it's a, you know, a 15 play drive for a field goal or the uh, drive, they pick up multiple first downs. I think that's been the biggest, um, I guess, step back that this unit has taken is it's you not, know, I, I think, a really good unit, but it just hasn't been that shut down dominant Alabama defense that the fan base has grown accustomed to. And, and you know, Eventually, um, you know, the recruiting misses that Alabama's had, you know, in the front seven, you know, that's going to catch up with them like Thomas touched on. You know, the, the guys that are being tasked with coming in to give these other guys breathers um, aren't quite ready to play at that level. There's, there's a, you know, a drop-off in production and performance there when those guys come in to give the, the first-team guys breathers. So um, I, I think he did a great job of explaining that last week. But um, you know it's it's going to be a um, an interesting game. I think you know one team's going to wake up Sunday and you know be be staring a, a college football playoff berth down the barrel. Um, I'm not sure if, if Georgia can beat either one of these two teams. Um, you know, with some of the issues that they've shown consistently. Um, you know, in the SEC championship game, whichever one it ends up being. I'm expecting it to be Alabama, but um, there, there's been quite a few issues arise over there in Athens um, that I think a lot of Georgia fans are disappointed with as well, maybe quietly at this point, but trust me, they're, they're mumbling under their breath. Well,
0: and I wanted to – that's a great segue. I wanted to, you know, uh, to bring Thomas into the conversation and uh, – William, and and before I do, though, William, do you think the the loser of this game, uh, there's been a lot of conversation as to uh, if they could still get into the college football playoff. Personally, I think they're still going to have a pretty good, pretty decent shot at it due to the fact that Oklahoma's lost to Kansas State and they, of course, they've still got to play Baylor. I don't know that Mario Cristobal and Oregon are going to be able to run the table the rest of the way through the Pac-12. I just think, when you look at it, and if at, uh, LSU's only loss, it's the number one Alabama, or uh, you know Alabama's only loss is the top ranked LSU. I don't see how you keep them out.
1: That's a good point. That's a real good point. Um, you know, it, it's uh, you know, I guess it would depend on you know how dominating the, the loser looks. Um, right. You know, the rest of the, the rest of the season without going to the. To the SEC championship game. Certainly to um, went out. Yep. Yeah, and probably went out in a commanding fashion. But, you know, it's just the you know the second weekend in November, and, you know, a lot of that talk's probably premature. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into predictions in just a few minutes, but I, I still feel really comfortable and even more confident in, in what I talked about. Uh, you know, last week I, I just you know, despite the Vegas line, I, I just think Alabama, um, you know, is a 10 to 13, 14 points better than than LSU.
0: Well, I'm going to bring Thomas into the conversation, and before uh, I know he he may blow a gasket over the college football playoff. committee, uh, uh, even though it's just the first poll, I know he had had some issues with the way that they're evaluating this, even this early. But also, I know he has some opinions on this matchup. He's our numbers guy, metrics. Thomas, uh, welcome back to the show, of course. What are your thoughts, first of all, on this matchup? And then, uh, you know, uh, we'll brace ourselves for your thoughts on the, on the committee uh, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in the college football playoff rankings.
2: Well, Drew, let me just say about the rankings. I've had enough time to uh, take a deep breath. And this is a good show. And I don't want to make anybody with young children turn the show off. So I'm just going to take my entire rant about the college football playoff committee and shove it to the side. Uh, I also wanted to say it is, I agree it's premature to talk about LSU as a one loss SEC West, SEC West (laughs) runner up getting into the college football playoff. But it's going to be something to keep an eye on, depending on how the game plays out this upcoming Saturday. Now, talking about the game, uh, last week, if you haven't, please go back and listen to it, talking about, you know, Alabama's defense in spurts has been very, very well. And one of the reasons you see the drop-off is that the backups just aren't as good. They have to mature. One of the things that's really interesting, and I started thinking about this, uh, this week is how defenses have to defend elite offenses now. And I started thinking about how the Clemson Tigers actually defended Alabama in the national championship game. Now I don't see LSU having the personnel to do some of the things with coverages and being able to consistently get pressure without a blitz that Clemson did to Alabama last year. But what Clemson did against Alabama better than anybody last year was let Alabama run hog wild between the twenties and then just hit, turned it up another notch when you got when the team got in the red zone and that led to all the inefficiencies and all the early fourth down tries that Nick Saban called. And I actually think you could see something similar here. I would think the LSU offense is very, very legitimate. Uh, I think they have been able to move the ball on everybody Even with the Auburn Tigers holding LSU to 23 points, LSU had something like 500 yards of total offense. And that was in a nasty field because of how gnarly the weather was throughout the Southeast uh, that day. So I think LSU is going to be able to move the ball. But I don't know if moving the ball between the 20s is going to really matter if the Alabama defense is able to make their critical plays in the red zone one of the things that Alabama's been pretty good at is slowing down teams you know, at key points. And there's a statistic that I kind of wrap my head around. It's called chaos rate or havoc rate, depending on what group you're reading. And it's essentially when the defense does something, gets pressure on the quarterback, causes a negative play, forces an improvisation, Alabama's one of the best at that. And the thing is... Joe Burrow has shown an adaptability, a, an ability to just kind of play, fly by the seat of his pants, kind of like Johnny Manziel, but that's not really a way to beat this Alabama football team. It really hasn't been a way for anybody not named Deshaun Watson to beat Alabama since Johnny Manziel. So overall, I just, I don't think that LSU is going to have the success that they think they're going to have. And you go to the other side of the field, and here's where everything gets kind of weird to me, because much like Alabama's defense, the LSU defense is a house of cards, and we saw Alabama lose two key cards in McMillan and Moses early on. Well, Grant Delpit's going to be playing on one leg, and Michael Divinity is gone. Now, many people have—I've had this conversation multiple times— What does Michael Divinity mean to the LSU Tiger defense? Well, put it to you this way. Michael Divinity played in three less games than everybody else on LSU and was their most disruptive pass rusher. Had the most sacks and was either leading or tied for the tackles for loss for that team in three less games. So... I kind of feel like this defense is kind of coming into a house of cards and one of the th- house of cards that's going to fall in on itself. Excuse me. One of the things that you sit down, you know, we I heard you both mention Texas. I'm going to bring them back up. Texas killed LSU in the middle of the field. Yeah. Killed them. I mean, it was like, if you threw a prep pass between the hashes, hold on. Cause this could be a touchdown. You no, know, hold on to your butts. We're going for a ride. And... Where has, you know, obviously Divinity is an outside linebacker, but Delpit has been used as an in-the-box safety or somebody that can cheat in the middle to try and cover some of those deficiencies. You know, if Alabama pounds the middle like Texas did and Alabama has the personnel to do it, LSU's defense is in for a long day. I just, I look at this matchup and let me put it to you this way, to both of you and to our listeners. You know me if there's a statistical model that exists around college football, I will look at it, I will consume it, I will understand where and how it's coming up with its conclusions. I can tell you why Vegas thinks the way that they think. I can tell you why S&P Plus has Alabama at number two with significantly ahead of LSU. I know why the guys over at College Football Nerds, that's a really good group of guys, why they think Alabama's about a touchdown better than LSU. You know, we can go on down the line. I can do the FPI thing, and FPI is just funkadelic. But I have not seen a statistical model that is not essentially drowning in Jack Daniels, that has Alabama less than a touchdown favorite in this game. And when every model says that, it leads to one of two inescapable conclusions. One, every single model is based off very bad data. Like, not just somewhat off, but very bad data. Or, every single model is converging to a very, very similar conclusion because they're while well, they're approaching it from different ways, each approach is valid. Given what I know, given what I've seen, I just think there's too much statistical evidence to say that LSU is anything but a touchdown behind Alabama in this circumstance, Drew.
0: Well, and Thomas, I was going to get your opinion.
2: I think red zone defense is going to be
0: a key in this game for both sides because, uh, you know, we saw... Uh, Auburn—that's how they stayed in the game. They—they—they they, uh, they, uh, made LSU kick the football, and uh, as we know, uh, they—they—the they, uh, LSU—they—they they don't have, uh, you know, their place kicker. Their place kicker uh, has moved on. He was a hell of a—he had a hell of a year as a red-shirt senior last year, graduate transfer. Cole Tracy is not there anymore. But I think Alabama. There's a lot of conversation about their struggles in the kicking game, but it it will be huge in my opinion if uh if defensively i know they're going to give up some plays but uh, i think that uh if they can hold up in the red zone and make and turn LSU over a time or two and then also make them kick a couple of field goals that's going to be a,
2: a massive
0: advantage what are your
2: thoughts you're absolutely right and i think it bears explaining why A lot of defenses, you know, going back to Clemson last year and how I think the Alabama defense can do this year against the LSU Tigers, why are offenses allowed to run buck wild and then get to, you know, the 10 or the 15 or the 20, and then they just get absolutely stonewalled? Well, the LSU offense, the Alabama offense, a lot of modern offenses are just trying to exploit cracks in the defense. The run-pass option game is really just, you know, if you wanted to have the scientific name for it, it'd be make a player take one false step the wrong way to open up enough space to fit in a pass. And when a defense is trying to defend both sidelines and then back 30 or 40 yards, that's just a lot of space to cover. Well, the field compresses the closer you get to the goal line, which lets the defense cover less ground and lets defensive athletes cover for each other better. So that's why you could see, you know, LSU ring up 450, 500 total yards of offense, and only get 23 points against an Auburn Tigers. But to your specific question, either team being able to maintain red zone efficiency is going to be a big deal. And that goes back to you know, the havoc and the chaos rates of the relative, of the defenses. Alabama's is simply higher. They get you off your spot more than the LSU defense does. And when you're in confined spaces in the red zone, that can be disastrous. You know, it's, it's, it's a heck of a lot easier to convert a third and three than it is to convert a third and thirteen. Because think about some of the circumstances surrounding those two downs. Not only obviously is a third and 13 a low, com, a low percentage otherwise, what comes into play? Uh, primarily the thing that comes into play will be for sure Terrell Lewis, and depending on the personnel package, Anthony Jennings, and a guy that both you, that both you and William mentioned, Christian Barmore, assuming that Alabama can sub and you've got a really solid one-gap penetrator attacking the attacking up the field towards Joe Burrow. those three players are not going the LSU offensive line is not good enough to block all three of those players consistently and the then that starts coming into play should chaos happen? should Alabama make LSU's offense inefficient at in the red zone? So that's just one more thing that makes me feel very good about it. Yes, I'm 100% on board with the fact that LSU is going to be able to move the ball. They have too much offensive talent to expect that they're going to be held, you know, 200 yards and, you know, three points. That's that's ridiculous. But I would not be surprised if we're waking up Sunday evening, Sunday morning, Sunday evening for some people because, whoo, doggy, but Sunday morning for most normal people, getting ready for church, doing your morning routine, getting your cup of coffee, And LSU had 27, maybe 31 points. But the storyline is Alabama's defense stiffened when it had to. But LSU's defense, because of deficiencies due to Delpit injury, Divinity being lost, and just (coughs) some trash can personnel at a couple of positions in terms of how Alabama wants to attack them, the LSU defense was not able to do the same thing, Drew.
0: Well, and William, i got to ask you this about the special teams. We talked about both of us in their place in the, the freshman place kicker for LSU. He struggled. But do you think that uh, Coach Ogeron is going to be stupid enough to punt the ball to Waddle? Because if he is, you, I think we've both seen Waddle has been close to taking one to the house all year long. I wouldn't
1: be surprised if this happened on Saturday. i certainly hope that he is. I um, mean, yeah, I think that. You know, Jalen Waddles a threat to take the ball to the house every time he touches it, whether on a pass reception or a punt return. And, uh, man, man, if they are, bless their hearts because he's going to get you. And, uh, you know, I think that could be a big part of the game Saturday. Um, He's been kind of quiet the last couple of weeks. And uh, I think that's, you know, going to be a big factor, something certainly that you have to factor in. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that makes this, you know, Alabama team so dangerous is, you know, you've got some guys back there, um, you know, kind of like you saw when, when Minka Fitzpatrick was playing DB a couple of years ago. You know, Terrell, I mean, not Terrell, Trevon Diggs and, and Sertan, uh, you know, are capable of taking an interception, um, you know, on a pick six. So, you know, it's it's not a – in a lot of different areas, when you look at how Alabama is able to put points up um, and, you know, and they're able to do it defensively as well, um, it's a really tough, tough task for any opposing coaching staff to try and draw this up and, and digest it and come up with a plan of, you know, not even stopping it, but slowing it down.
0: Well, William, uh, what going into the game, and I'll bring Thomas in and get his opinion after you uh, give us your take. What are your concerns for Alabama going into the game?
1: Um, you know, I think defensively the, the biggest concern is, um, you know, can they get a consistent pass rush? Uh, you know, and if, and if they can't, um, you know, what, what does that allow Burrow and those wide receivers to do on a consistent basis? I think, you know, certainly – um, Harris and Lee have to be cognizant of, you know, them t- trying to utilize the, the running backs out of the backfield, um, you know, in passing patterns. But, um, you know, to me, I think from Alabama's defense defensive perspective, that's going to be the, the two things to watch for me, my two keys. Or, um, you know, the edge rush that, that Jennings and Lewis will, will hopefully be able to provide um, you know, but if they can't, it's going to put a lot of stress on the back end of Alabama's defense.
0: Yeah, really well. What What about you, Thomas? What are you concerned about from an Alabama perspective?
2: Well, I agree with the pass rush thing. Um, that's one of the deals that Auburn was able to disrupt, or Auburn was able to disrupt LSU with their front to a level that we hadn't seen. If Alabama is not able to get consistent pressure. It's just not going to be a thing. It's it's very similar on both sides of the ball, honestly. If you don't pressure Tua, Tua's going to pick you apart. If you don't pressure Joe Burrow, the DBs are not going to be able to hang with the wide receivers for three, four, or five seconds. So that that's my big concern. Um, I honestly am not as worried about Christian Harris. I think Harris has really come into his own this year. And the last piece that Alabama's defense needs to really – start playing faster is Shane Lee and I'm not going to be critical of Shane Lee because the kid stepped in and has been able to call a very complicated defense from the jump and some of that calling some of that digesting of information has slowed down his ability to just you know play read react that's really the last thing this Alabama defense needs you know, Shane Lee is never going to be the most athletic guy on the football field, but we said the exact same thing about a guy by the name of Sean Deon Hamilton. The thing we said about Hamilton was he was just smarter than everybody out there, so he was able to get in the right place at the right time. And he's still hanging on in the NFL with the Redskins, so he must have something downright in terms of athleticism. I'm not saying Lee and Hamilton are the same player, but I'm saying that athletic limitations can be overcome by understanding everything going on around you at a higher and higher level. So that's really what I want to see. And should you know Alabama's defense gets pu- get punched in the mouth a little bit, you know, how do they kind of get off the mat? because this is going to be one of the times that Alabama's going to take some shots from a really good offense. We saw it one time with Alabama playing Texas A&M in that opening drive. The defense responded and really put the clamps on A&M for about two quarters after that. I don't know if they'll be able to do it against LSU. Frankly, I have my doubts that they'll be able to do do something like that, like they did against Texas A&M. But as long as they just keep hanging around, this offense is good enough to keep the game competitive. But honestly Drew, even with all of the, you know with both the pass rush thing, Williams worry and the Shane Lee issue, I'm not concerned. It's just there there it's so hard for me to envision a scenario where Alabama loses this game because it starts with something like Joe Burrow goes off for 500 passing yards. And if and the likelihood of that happening is so remote that I can barely even conceive of it.
0: Well, I mean, I I think Burrow's a really good player. I admire him and his grit and his toughness. But am I wrong? I just don't put him in the same category watching him last year and even what he's done so far this season. And I need to go back and watch some more tape before Saturday. But I don't put him in the category of a Deshaun Watson, even a Johnny Manziel, that kind of playmaking. I may have to change my mind after Saturday, but I think he's a really good player. But, I, you know, I'll take number 13 all day long. I still think Alabama has the edge of the quarterback position. I think Joe Burrow is good, but uh, we just haven't seen a quarterback like him at LSU and so on putting up those kind of numbers and seeing this kind of offense. I still think part of it is, is kind of an overreaction because I, I thought he was good against Auburn but not great. Uh, so uh, am I wrong in, in, in uh, not, you know, being in complete awe of this guy?
1: No, I don't think you are. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Kevin Steele and the Auburn defense kind of exposed him a little bit. You know, their their DBs actually uh, played better than I expected them to. And, and you know, they were able Agreed. to you know, generate a lot of quarterback pressure. I mean, Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown, you know, harassed him the whole game. Um, you know, they brought some nice blitz packages at times. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you certainly have to say, well, you know, he won the game. He put up, what, 22 points or whatever it was. Uh, but that was a marked drop-off from what they were averaging going into that game. Yeah, it was. And I, I think he's
0: formidable, but I think Alabama can be more than up to the challenge. And, and if Alabama beats LSU, and, you know, LSU's uh, they don't really want to talk about their defense right now, their kicking game. They just want to they think they can win the game on offense. If Alabama, you know, beats them once again, uh, and, and can outscore them. And I think they may have to in this contest in some ways. I, I mean, what is LSU going to do? Cause they, they're trying to beat Alabama at their own game. And if they can't do it, I mean, even though coach O's done a solid job, I think it's going to, you know, they're just going to go into a, uh, into a, a prolonged funk if they can't win this game. But I, I as far as predictions go, I got 41 31, and I think part of that 31 will be a late touchdown to make it sound a little closer than it is. I think Alabama is going to play their best game. Certainly, they're not a dominant defense, and this is a, a very good offense LSU has. But I think they're going to slow them down enough, force a couple of turnovers, maybe force them to kick a field goal or two, and win this game impressively. I think Tua is going to vault back to the top of the Heisman. Uh, you know, race. I think he's going to throw for 300-plus and uh, three or four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I I just don't see LSU being able to slow this Alabama team down. Uh, I've got the Tide winning impressively, and uh, I'll throw it to you, uh, William, and then to Thomas. What what is your prediction, William?
1: Um, You know, I I can certainly see that score um, and and certainly agree that the – you know, the, the, there's probably going to be a late touchdown to, to make it look a little bit more um, competitive than it was. But, you know, I, I, I'm not sure <coughs> if uh, LSU can keep pace unless they play a you know close-to-perfect game. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like it more 38-26, 38-24, something like that.
0: Go ahead, Thomas. I'm kind – I'm
2: in the 41-27 kind of range. Mm-hmm. I just – I think that the height this, – this is – Peter Burns said this after last year's uh, 29-0 annihilation. This is just another game for Alabama. Like, Alabama's been here. They've played in big games. All of these players have seen an SEC championship. They've seen a national championship. They've seen a college football playoff semifinal. I mean, this is old hat to Alabama. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to be charged up because a few people that I've spoken to say the team is, you know, chomping at the bit to get out there and, and find some tiger hide, if you know what I mean. But I, I think the question really is going to become what happens to this LSU team when after at least two weeks, closer to two months of, you can finally hang. You can finally hang. You're going to do it this year. You're going to do it this year. What happens if that gets shown to be incorrect very early within the proceedings on Saturday afternoon? Simply don't know. I think Joe Burrow's a cool enough cat that he will keep that team together. But I just, the weight of expectations is extreme on this Tiger football team. And Ed Orgeron has done nothing to back it off by essentially saying that our guys are better than their guys, even though statistically they're really not in almost every case. And, you know, that's a crushing amount of pressure for a young guy to get put under. And we've seen it swallow up teams before. And, you know, the other side of this, Alabama was number three in the first playoff ranking. There's been a lot of chatter about how this LSU team is going to beat this Alabama team. And what has Alabama done every single time since 2009? You know, We'll leave 2008 because Alabama was still ascending. But since 2009, what has Alabama done every single time there has been even a whiff of the disrespect card around Tuscaloosa? Alabama has come out and not just beaten a team. You know They didn't win by a touchdown in those games. They destroyed that program. Mark Richt got bombed out of Georgia by the Derrick Henry-led Alabama team. The 2009 Florida Gators riding high, undefeated, rocking and rolling. Three hours later, shattered. Urban Meyer, gone a year later. That's what Alabama does when the disrespect card gets played against this football team. And it's being played now and it's being heaped, heaped upon them. And I think that's really going to be a psychological factor that's going to be a big deal. So give me forty-one twenty-seven, Drew.
0: Yeah, and I got to tell you, is I'm, I think the, the X factors for me, uh, I think the MVP for Alabama on offense will, of course, be Tua. But I think the X factor will be Najee Harris. I expect a big game from him. Uh, I think the MVP defensively for Alabama. I just got a funny feeling Xavier McKinney is going to be everywhere on the field on Saturday and cement his, uh, you know, he, 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 cement himself as a future high first round pick in this year's draft, which he'll probably move on to the NFL. But I think the X factor is going to be somebody like a Raekwon Davis or a Christian Barmore. Uh, along that defensive line. I I think Alabama is going to control this game. You know, defensively, they're still going to give up some yards and points, but they're going to get the win, which is all that matters. And I think it's going to shatter LSU personally, in my opinion. But uh, I I expect Alabama to control it. And I think Nick Saban is going to continue his mastery uh, over uh, the Bayou Bengals, no doubt about it. But uh, it's been a great show. I did want to, as we're wrapping it up here, we've made our predictions. It's going to be a huge recruiting weekend. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of recruiting chatter next week on BAM's radio because it's a a star-studded list of kids that are coming. I heard some more today as far as, uh, once again, uh, uh, Pegues, the tight end from Oxford, Mississippi, will be coming in. Uh, He's someone that Alabama's really turned the heat up on. And I think uh, he's got a chance to – be a part of this class and be the, the tight end that they want to add uh, because of Areek Gilbert going to LSU. Because I think I'm here in Alabama wants to add, you know, at least a, one more wide receiver. And they're going to have Arian Smith coming in this weekend from Lakeland, Florida, who they really like, who's probably at the top of their board. Uh, they want to add a tight end like Mike Pegues. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Pegues. He's a big time prospect. Uh, they want to add maybe one more running back. Jason McClellan is at the top of their board. He's coming in from Alito, Texas. He's committed to Oklahoma. And then defensively, they'd like to add another corner. Uh, and uh, and uh, Ethan Pounce, he's coming in fresh off of like a decommitment from Texas. He was number one on their cornerback board earlier this uh, in this cycle, earlier the, a few months ago. He committed to Texas. Now he's uh, Texas is kind of falling apart, so he's decommitted. He's coming into town. They'd like to add another defensive lineman. I know McKinley Jackson is going to be back in town as well. And Philip Webb, who may be the, the, the uh, top prospect overall, left on their board. So they're wanting to add some more pieces. It's going to be a big recruiting weekend. We'll have a report on that. Uh, and then I wanted to give a real quick synopsis of the basketball uh, team. Nate Oates, his team uh, started, uh, that was their first official game last night, got off to a disappointing start. They lost 81 80 to a a good team from the Ivy League and the Penn Quakers who will have a chance to win that league and go to the NCAA tournament. And I know there's already a lot of negativity because of it's been a struggle, Alabama basketball, since the end of the wimps area era in 92. But I'm just telling everyone, be patient with Nate Owens. I was there last night. It didn't look anything like what I've watched for the, nearly the last decade under Anthony Grant and uh, Avery Johnson. This team played hard the entire time. And they played hard at times under Avery, just not consistently, and certainly under uh, Anthony Grant. But uh, the uh, the thing about Grant is, offensively, they were an abomination. Well, last night they shot 35 percent from the field and still scored 80 points. They just didn't execute that well on each end of the floor. If they had, if they had shot, you know, just if they had shot the ball reasonably well and and uh, not even not really been red hot, but if they had just shot the ball like they're capable they would have scored 100 points in the game. But Penn got every break, every loose ball, and were able to escape with a win. Kyra Lewis missed two free throws at the end, but still scored 30 points. This is a team that's going to be good. I still think they're going to contend for the NCAA tournament. You can't, you know, get too discouraged early. I know Alabama basketball can be maddening, but I think he's turning this team around. I think they'll get better defensively. I really liked what I heard from him after the game. It wasn't like Avery when Avery would – a lot of times, tell you he couldn't put the finger on what was wrong because he didn't understand. NATO understands how to build a program. These guys got banged up. Losing Herbert Jones for the majority of the game was a killer because of how good he is defensively. And then Alex Reese, Beetle Bolden were both banged up in this game, and they don't have a lot of depth. Hopefully, they'll get some good news, and we'll have to we can report on that in the next BAMS Radio. Javon Quinterly, the transfer from Villanova, his appeal will be heard on Monday. They really need him. To help, uh, you know, give him another great, uh, really good guard to help cut some of the uh, the load off of the Kyra Lewis. Hopefully, they'll get some good news from him. But I'm telling you, some brighter days are ahead. And some of these hot takes I've seen on Twitter and even getting text messages. Just relax. Nate Oates is going to turn this thing around. I truly believe that. I felt much better. Even I was frustrated with a loss, but I didn't feel like the some of the despair I did a year ago watching this team blow a 22-point lead in 10 minutes to Georgia State or losing to Norfolk State. If go- it's going to be a different story for Alabama basketball. I think they're about to add some pieces in recruiting as well, and it's going to be fun. It was a great crowd last night. I hope there's some more that turn out for the Florida-Atlantic game on Monday. We'll have coverage of that, and we'll talk about it on BAM's radio. But we saw great stuff out of Kyra Lewis. Uh, you know, I think he's getting better. I mean, I hopefully he'll put the free throws in the past because he's going to be the engine that drives this team. I think that you saw some you saw some glimpses of uh, Jaden Shackelford. He didn't quite shoot as well last night, but still scored 16 points. And I think if they can get Herb Jones back from this hyperextended elbow, they can still be a good basketball team. Uh, but just please be patient with him. Uh, don't uh, he's still having to kind of fix a program that was fractured by the end of the Avery Johnson era and these kids. They did struggle on defense, but, you know, they didn't have – they weren't – you know, hadn't really been fundamentally developed quite – and their mental toughness was lacking under Avery Johnson. It's starting to return under Nate Oates. But sometimes, much like Nick Saban, it's a process. And remember, Nick Saban in his first year lost to Louisiana Monroe. Nobody would even think about that right now. But he was having to get a lot of turds out of the program. I don't think Alabama has any of those on their basketball team. I think some of those are already gone. But again, it's still a work in progress. So please uh, be patient with Alabama basketball. You're, there's going to be some fun times had this season with this group, and they're still fun to watch. And boy, if they had made shots last night and put a hundred on, on the board in Coleman Coliseum, what a show that would have been. I still think some of those days are coming, but I want to thank everybody for listening to BAMS radio. Thomas does a hell of a job every week, getting us on. William does a great job with his takes and, uh, he does, uh, and of course, his knowledge of Alabama football. I always enjoy talking Bama football with the, with all and, and, and uh, connecting with all the listeners. We thank you for supporting BAM's radio. We will be back next week, hopefully, to rehab uh, a huge win for Alabama uh, over LSU, the ninth in a row, and then also to talk some Alabama basketball, hopefully to talk about NATO's first win at the capstone after that contest on Monday with Florida Atlantic. But we'll talk to you uh, next week. Good night, everybody, and Roll Tide.